For those who don't know me, I'm Redfern Pat. I'm stepping in early today because we do have big news that we need to get to. He was the one that quit today. Sensationally quitting last night after... ...has to force feels he has to resign. It's, we all feel like we failed. Dennis Carnahan has sensationally quit. Now we have one first-hand account. We fired up and walked out! Vossi had another observation about Dennis. Belief. Look, look, look at him! Supporter. Look at him! He's still stunned from his team winning, but I'm so- Chris Gale, on a scale of Paul Kent quitting Triple M to Trent Barrett quitting the Bulldogs, where does Dennis Carnahan's quitting lie on in terms of sensationality? Reverend Pat, thank you very much for that introduction. I don't know whether we can reduce this cataclysmic event to a number, but I'm certainly saying it's to the upper end of the scale, be it Richter or otherwise. But look, I think it's probably easiest and most appropriate in this uh, very, very difficult and challenging time to read from the following prepared statement. I know it's a matter of record that I said two weeks ago on this show that Dennis Carnahan would be a co-host of Fire Up long after I had left the podcast. And I find myself stunned two weeks later making this statement. However, it's fair to say the criticism about Dennis's performance over recent weeks has been mounting up. Cars often drive past me and they yell at me what are you doing with Carnahan? He's got to go. Even here at Batuta Advocate, when Dennis arrived at the studios, there'd be a chorus of, what, you're still here? And so it was on Sunday night that Dennis called me. Um, he told me the news. Uh, he said that it was his decision and that um, he, of course, had consulted with his family. He played a number of clips of his recent performances from the show and his family's feedback, just listen to yourself. And he realized that it was time to go. I had to get the entire team together to make the announcement yesterday, which was you, of course, Pat. Unfortunately, you had the flu. <laughs> so I had to uh, inform you by text, but it's very decent of you to make the journey in today. Now, some people will say that uh, there was a gun pointed at Dennis's head. Uh, there is no non-disclosure agreement in place. So he can say whatever he likes because there was no handsome severance package involved. Well, he doesn't have a podcast to say it on now. <laughs> That's right. In the departure of Dennis Carnahan. Pat, we've put you in the interim seat. So welcome and we're looking forward to it. And I'm not prepared to say what the time frame is for us to go out to the market for his replacement. But I do note that Paul Kent did recently re leave the Triple M Sunday sin bin. That's all I'm prepared to say on the matter at this stage, except to take some questions. So, Dennis, Dennis really quit. Uh, no, he's got COVID. He should be back <laughs> next week. So, in this, in this uh, analogy, so you being the biggest member of the team, you're as Ferner. In, as in height? height yeah, you're Ferner. <laughs> yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah, I see myself. Well, you, th you suddenly think that I'm now replacing Trent. I'm Don Ferner. Is that how we're seeing it? David Ferner. David Ferner, sorry. That would make me... Craig Sandercock, relatively unknown. That's, that's, that just shows your <laughs> nufty knowledge that you know that the assistant assistant coach is Craig Sandercock. Yeah, and then so Dennis being the uh, best looking of the bunch, that makes him Trent Barrett. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's definitely uh, our version of Trent. And I mean, what a week it's been in rugby league, Pat. I mean, obviously we're referring to the departure of Trent Barrett from the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. And it's really brought out some terrific stuff from the media already. I mean, Paul Vaughan, who's had his own difficulties with the media in recent years, drove past the assembled media throng at Belmore yesterday and said, you are the worst kind of people. And I think you and I both being involved in at least some tangential way in the media would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dean Pay, former Bulldogs coach, in fact, Trent's predecessor, is interviewed in the Astonisher today. And in a two-column interview, managed to say that he was not bitter at being fired from the Bulldogs on three separate occasions. <laughs> So I think it's fair to say he's extremely bitter. Maybe, maybe Trent less so because of his handsome $500,000 severance package. But from your perspective, was T-Baz falling on his sword or was he fired? I'm drinking the Gus Kool-Aid. <laughs> Meaning? I reckon, I reckon he walked. You think so? Yeah. Gus, he always tells it, like his own version of the truth, but he just can't resist. The truth always gets out. I think that... Um, you said earlier that Gus didn't talk him out of it, mm. um, but I think that Trent, Trent, and the reports during the week were that Trent Barrett looked terrible, and which he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> he must have taken that loss pretty badly. 
There was speculation in his press conference after the loss to the Newcastle Knights up there at Suncourt Stadium that he didn't say what he wanted to say uh, other than everybody's got something to answer for. And uh, he felt like he said we were going around in circles. I have to say when Dennis rang me, whilst I didn't push him, I certainly didn't argue him out of jumping, that's for sure. <laughs> if we go to the Triple M analogy, mm-hmm. so I guess I Dennis is maroon. <laughs> What is that? Where do we, you and I, fall, Ken and Hooper? I'm more likely to leave than you, so you can call me Kenny and you can be... Uh, I'll be Hoops just doing the show by myself. You can be an amalgam of Hoops and Gordy. Well, of course, on the... Uh, and again, we, we, we often talk about how these issues tend to fall on either side. You know, the Nine media side, the Fox media side, and they take different views of things. Obviously, over on Fox last night on NRL 360, which was compelling viewing because they clearly had no sources. Yeah. <laughs> they were just part of the media scrum outside Belmore interviewing a somewhat beleaguered Gus. But Brayton Astor became the spokesperson simply because he played for the Bulldogs <laughs> at some stage. Did he say that they uh, their problem was that they weren't recruiting Bulldogs players? Oh, well, yeah, well, he said that the Bulldogs' DNA is gone. Yeah. Which is, you know, alarming for all fans of the particular breeds to think that that strain of DNA is gone and you won't be able to get a bulldog at a pet store anymore. But there was a whole discussion around what it means because on nine, Gus was talking about the trouble for Trent was when he he coached at Manly, he wasn't a Manly boy. And then when he coached at Cannery, he wasn't a bulldog boy. So he's getting rid of the DNA on purpose. That's right. Get some Barrett DNA in. So he's a dragon boy. But um, Brayton Astor actually said Gus Gould is Pinocchio. And, and look, if Phil Gould has gone into Gus Gould and he now becomes Pinocchio Gould, it hasn't all been for nothing, I think. Yeah, maybe he just gets another chin every time he lies. Gus. Yeah. Now, of course, all this uh, speculation and focus on Trent Barrett, which will now disappear potentially gets directed towards Madge Maguire and the West Tigers because we share the bottom of the table and it's the Battle of the Spoon at Leichhardt on Friday night. I'm concerned because I believe that it's a mathematically proven fact that there is a bump when teams coach leaves, they go into success in the following fixture. Am I correct, Pat? Incorrect. 14 from 35 in the NRL. Okay, let me do the math. That's about 40%. 40%. Okay, so... Having said that, what in these particular circumstances, what are you expecting to occur at Leichhardt on Friday? Um, I don't... Oh, jeez. West Tigers aren't good. Injuries. Injuries. Uh, Brooks's hamstring. Yeah, well, the two worst things that could happen to West Tigers this week are Brooks being out and Brooks being in. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing was... is. The, the Tigers, because, you know, Madge McGuire took you guys to a premiership. I mean, there's got to be some goodwill. And they tried to get Brooks's hamstring into the same cryogenically sealed frozen container that they Latrell's hamstring was put into a plane off to Philadelphia yesterday. And, the you know, Black Solian just brushed him and said, no, Latrell's hamstring is flying on its own. There's no room for Brooks's hamstring. So, obviously, Madge McGuire means nothing around your joint anymore. It does take us to the replacements, though. I mean, you've already highlighted that David Ferner is... Logic. Is, yeah. But maybe Sandercock gets, gets a run. Who do you like in the market to replace T-Baz for the Bulldogs? Well, far be it from us to uh, get serious, but... So Christian Morph coaches St. Helens mm-hmm. and Tonga. Mm-hmm. St. Helens are easily the best team in Super League. But there's a rep break for round two of Origin. Right. And Tonga play New Zealand. I think Tonga go into that game favourites. They'll probably capture people's imaginations. And Christian Wolf, who's sort of out of sight, out of mind in terms of media at the moment, I think he's going to become real hot property. Right. So he's obviously a really highly competent coach, right? Yeah. Okay, well, so, even the incompetent, incompetent so, so there's one. no way he'll take the Bulldogs no, job. Yeah. Well, remember when... Um, you know, you got Holbrook over there and it's like, oh, he's won a Super League comp and no one bothers to check if he can coach or anything. It's just like, oh, he's probably good. I mean, the reference check of Super League is up for a discussion. Hello, Oliver well, Gildart. So, you know. Nathan Brown. <laughs> well, what about. What, well, everyone talks about Cameron Sorraldo and, and everyone goes, but he's not silly enough to take on the Bulldogs job, right? Well, what job is he going to take? Well, he's, he's following the Fitzgibbon line of thinking that eventually Nathan Cleary, who, let's face it, does anyone really know what's wrong with the knee? 
With Ivan Cleary, I should say. Yeah, yeah, he's got... It was a staph infection after a Rico or something. After a Rico? Something was, that, was it a staph infection from an operation? So he's a heartbeat away from um, being unable to coach further. So I think Sorrello is hanging really tough. Well, with the the, the Zoom set up with... Um, he can coach on 20-second delay from his from his bed. Well, when the Kardashians did beat the Broncos, apparently... Uh, the Broncos, when they beat the Storms on the weekend, uh, apparently Sorrello FaceTimed Ivan, so he felt part of the celebrations, right? And uh, they just very quietly turned off the screen and Cameron said, just give me six months, boys, and yeah, you're did, mine. Did Cameron hit the knife when he, <laughs> when he put the phone up? That's right. Some of the other candidates, Jason Riles, uh, Flano and Paul Green, like they always get mentioned in the same breath as though they're the one person because they're the two veteran coaches. And we could see a world where Ivan coaching Nathan takes on uh, Shane coaching um, Kyle. And then on the other side of the draw, the Walters, the Walters regime and the, uh, who's the Clearies. Unbelievable. Uh, Stephen Price who had some success over in Super League. Steve McNamara from the Super League as well. Bomber Morris has got to mention. And then it just gets crazy. Madge Maguire. As someone said, the best way to negate the coaching bump of, I think it was uh, Terry Bull said, the best way to negotiate the coaching bump of Trent leaving is for Madge to get fired before Friday. And then he could just end up uh, over at Belmore. Freddie Fittler has categorically said, I'm not going to answer the question. Where did that come from? Because that was the first name mentioned in the scrum feed at Belmore Oval. Okay, that's because Freddie coached too soon, a little bit like Icarus, you know, (laughs) flew too high too soon. Nathan Brown, arguably the same thing. And isn't that that beautiful, you know, sort of circle of life of Brownie slapping Trent and then this happens and um, Michael Ennis gets slapped by Ricky Stewart. It's all hard to follow. But there is the belief, the burning within Freddie that he went back and coached juniors and did his grassroots stuff and now made his name in Origin, despite Gus Gould saying he's got the best two jobs in the world, Channel 9 and Coaching Origin. In other words, the jobs that I've had recently. <laughs> uh, is that Freddie has this unfinished business about that he just didn't get the job done at the Roosters. If Freddie Fittler was able to come in and turn the Bulldogs back into a powerhouse, I mean, the immortal case is closed, isn't it? He becomes an immortal. If I like Karen Murphy. I mean, she's got the credentials. She's played at the highest level. She's just stood down from the integrity unit and she's looking for a job. So, <laughs> and, and I reckon she'll put those bulldogs in a shape. Paul Vaughan, you watch out. You think you're the, we're the worst type of people. She'll get you straight. Uh, look, I think the closing sentiment on this is that Gus, who of course guaranteed two weeks ago that uh, Trent would be coaching long after he is gone. And then about 18 months ago said, to Trent, I've told him not to take the job because the place is a toxic mess, which he now took a job from. He did say, it's got to be an experienced coach because to coach the Canterbury Banks down the Bulldogs is a trip down the mines. It's no, it's no glamour trip. This is a trip down the mines if you want to coach the Bulldogs. I don't know if you know this on the weekend. Yes, Pat. Magic round. Oh, yes. Give it to me. Give me the theme. I mean, why would they flog in Louis Newton-John when you can play Magic Fly by Space? What a terrific tune. What's the power ranking of Magic songs? I think uh, Olivia's Magic is at the top. Um, you've got um, Magic by Pilot. Pilot. Yep. Um, Magic Man by Heart yep. off their debut album, including the marvellous song Barracuda. Uh, but look... Uh, Down the bottom, you got Magic Dance. <laughs> by who? By David Bowie. you got Magic by Coldplay. Oh, God. Um, 
Who else you got? Uh, we got space. Well, space <laughs> and magic fly. I think that's like that's Marauder esque. So yeah. I think that's. And do you but, believe in magic? Uh, Somewhere in the middle. All oh, right. Okay. Got it. Uh, so how did you find magic round? Good. The crowd, like the level of drinking and and stuff, just was looked exhausting. <laughs> Would you go? Uh before on the way up, people, you look look so much fun, and then you just see. You see the people on the Sunday and it just reminds me why I don't go to music festivals anymore. My mate, Professor Dave Taylor went out and I think he says the secret is you don't go to all of it. Like yeah. you, you sort of arrive during the first fixture yeah. and depending on where things are at, you might leave. Yeah, I, I struggled end. during like for a whole cricket game being at it. I said to you, I actually watch five out of the eight games and you say, well, I watch 12 games every weekend, right? I, I could watch 12. So <laughs> generally it'll be the eight games and then a couple, whatever second grade games I get my hand on. So it's the festival of football. Uh, all the talk should be about how wonderful the game is and the focus on the on-field action and inevitably the focus is what happened off the field because there was a brawl in the stands. On and they took Friday care of night. it pretty early. First game of, the, <laughs> first game of the week, they made sure that no one's talking about the footy. Uh, what can you tell us about the brawl? What do you know about it? The brawl. So Owen Cunningham. Yes. Former Sea Eagles great. Sea Eagles hard man. Yes. Arm in a sling. Arm in a sling. He and his son, Ethan, are there. Yes, that's right. Ethan's with his partner. Yes. They're getting sledged yep. from behind. Um, I imagine because Broncos fans, perhaps. And then we've got the vision of an all-in brawl on young Ethan. Looks like it's older, bigger guys. That's right. Ethan somehow managed to lose his shirt in yes. the process. There's a few shirts off. He gets bloodied. Yep. He's then trapped in a chair. Yes. And there's a great bit where he's in the chair and he's 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 play, is he playing is he playing dead and then some people come to help him and he's like ha ha and starts again. I didn't go into that forensic detail. Uh, look, I, I guess it's not funny if it's criminal activity and people get hurt. On the other hand, as opposed to the Anzac Day Stoush, which was just straight Bulldogs Broncos, it was just lovely to see so many clubs represented in the stink. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and one of the things, and I think this is a warning to everyone, because as Buzz Rothfield pointed out last night, and this is serious, a number of children were frightened by what they saw in the stands, Pat. And we don't want that at rugby league. And as a number of other people pointed out, it's just a very small majority, a minority in 130,000. But go in, buy a beware. If you want to get involved in a little bit of fisticuffs in a stand, the the stands are actually on an angle. And this is unfortunate occurrence where people fall backwards down the... Several flights of the uh, several rows. It's very unseemly. Heaven forbid it ever happens at Bank West, which is the well, it's cheapest legally you can have it. Double ride down onto the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, as Robbo says. It's you know tomorrow's game day. We're climbing up to the back row at Combank Stadium. You know, so be cautious out there. Yeah, we had as well. Rugby league, the biggest growth area is females at the moment. Mm -hmm. And in the main footage, you see, you got a guy's front row center for the fight, right in the middle, panning across with his phone. Then right at the end, it pans to, I assume it's his girlfriend, a younger blonde girl. She's sitting there. She's looking like she's having the time of her life. She had no brook with what was going on. And she uh, just said, boys, settle down. She, could, she be, thinks it's one of your wrestling events. Yeah, and the right. fight comes right up to you. It's theatrical. You get involved. Now, uh, this podcast has been accused of focusing too much on South Sydney, the West Tigers, and Canberra Raiders. So let's talk about their games. Um, South Sydney uh, led the New Zealand Warriors at halftime to the tune of 26-6 to 6 from memory. Is that right? Yeah, I think probably the Warriors lucky to get the six. My takeaway was that little Blake Taff kicked a goal from the left-hand touchline in the, I think it's a southern corner, nearly on the same blade of grass that Adam Reynolds missed. The kick in the grand final to level up right at the end. <laughs> so I didn't know he could. I didn't know he could kick that kick. He should have spoken up. <laughs> right at the time. At the time, yeah, guys, I got this. Well, yeah. I, in the end, South got over the line, thirty-two twenty. So if they're up twenty-six-six, and then the Warriors cut it to thirty-two thirty, it's a game of something. I can't think of what I'd label that, but anyway, um, that's an interesting point that you make about Taft's conversion, where Reynolds failed from exactly the same braid of grass. It wasn't the Broncos' manly game incontrovertible evidence that South has been holding Adam Reynolds back all these years? Yeah, well, yeah. Everyone says, you know, now... Who's he play for now? <laughs> Brisbane Broncos, by the year. 
how do you what's your what's actually your football take on this? Because you've got Cody and Latrell's hamstring to look after. Yeah. Was it the right decision? No. Yeah. They, you mucked it up, but you gotta move on. And do you wish him well? Yeah. The lovely well, the lovely coda was that Gus, who was mired in all the Bulldogs controversy in their hotel on the Saturday morning. Renault caught up with Cody and a couple of the other South players to have a cup of coffee. Yeah, so. wouldn't you be de- They're saying, oh, isn't it good of him? I'd be desperate to. <laughs> fellas, you see that one? That's right. Pull out, pull out the telly. He'd be like, hey, fellas, look at this, uh, <laughs> look at this points table here. <laughs> anyway, you did get the win. And South, despite being pretty much universally bad all season, is still in contention. So I, I look at you with envious and jealous eyes, which is two ways of looking in exactly the same fashion. Uh, and I, and I, I don't want to focus. I thought, you know, the Tigers, usual, brave, resilient, beaten. But Were the, they? Yeah. Are they still? <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, if you could identify some of the players, I mean, there were junior this and junior that and people playing out of position. And I was, I, it, it was uh, highly confusing. But anyway, we did get done by, let's say, just an absolutely soaring North Queensland Cowboys. And there was actually a lot said about how the three Queensland teams won. And certainly, a la the Broncos, the much maligned Chad Townsend, which reminds me that Brendan Cowler's coming on this podcast in two weeks' time. The much maligned Chad Townsend just simply goes out and steers the North Queensland ship and suddenly they're world beaters. I mean, they just were um, fantastic in their win against the Tigers. But the most interesting thing for me was towards the end of the game when uh, all hope was lost, was it was revealed that former West Tigers great, who was commentating on the game, is that a conflict of interest, by the way? Um revealed that his uh, knowledge of of popular culture does not extend back to the 70s. Welcome back, Cotter! Yeah, so there was a reference to Welcome Back, Cotter when Ruben Cotter ran anywhere between 40 and 70 metres to score. We think, we think we're obscure. <laughs> That's right. And he stood up poor old Stafford Toa, though I thought that uh, Luke Brooks, prior to doing his hamstring and not getting it on the plane with Luttrell, was impeded by Tom Dearden. But... Uh, what was, what was Toa's excuse? <laughs> Well, none. But uh, this, of course, prompted this conversation in the commentary booth. Stafford Tower, going on the Welcome Back Cotter theme, was saying, I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) He dubbed dubbed me to nowhere. I'm so confused. I can't do the Vinnie Barbarino impersonation on the run. But that was good enough. You know what I'm talking about. You can do the Horshack thing. (laughs) (laughs) And you will. Benji's got no idea what he's talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You lost me. Are you sweet? So So Pat... Benji doesn't know Welcome Back, Cotter. Do you know Welcome Back, Cotter? I know this theme song. Right. It, well, do you think that, that there'll be a time... Cotter looks like he's going to be playing for a while. There's going to be a time where he's injured. There's going to be a time where... It's... Like, why don't you save it? Keep it on ice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that because I've been, you know... I was hanging... I was warehousing... Uh, Three Dog Night, Joy to the World. You know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog until when waiting for Nano to do something really notable. Yeah. And then, of course, Dennis Bullfrog Richie entered the lexicon, so we played it. But I was definitely storing the Welcome Back Cotter theme until Cotter did do, do something like a, a comeback or something like that. But they've, they've gone early on Fox. It was a show set in a uh, classroom with Gabe Kaplan as the progressive teacher and the the characters uh, were, you know, sort of a, a cultural melting pot, Italian-American, African-American and the like. And there was a reference made to Vinnie Barbarino, played by John Travolta in his breakout performance, and Arnold Horshack. And here's some of the comedy gold that you might have missed if you hadn't, like Benji, ever seen Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, come on. You can't kid us. I mean, you leave me no choice but to prove it. Hey, Cotter. Up your nose with rubber hose. <laughs> hey, Cotter, you are so low. You, I mean, you are so low that you could play handball up against the curb. <laughs> See what I mean? The old Cotter wouldn't have taken that. He's right, Mr. Cotter. If you was yourself today and Vinny said them things to you, well, you probably would have said something like, uh, Hey, Vinny, you know why you don't got no freckles? Because they probably slide off. See what you missed out on? That was me laughing there. <laughs> That's right. Let me tell you, in the 70s, 
up your nose with a rubber hose <laughs> had a lot of currency. And I hope everyone's sitting down when they're listening to Wouldn't this. Wouldn't that be a compliment from my knowledge of <laughs> 70s culture and, and noses? No, no. I think it was it was a jet. It was Vinnie Barbarino's equivalent of Sit On It by yep. Fonzie in Happy Days. And I hope you're sitting down listening to this because sadly, the, char- the man who played the great Arnold Horshack died in 2012 and that was Ronald Palillo. So um, uh, tribute to him. And maybe just in tribute to him because we've already referenced it. Let's just hear a little bit of John Sebastian's Welcome name. back. Welcome 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 back, Todder. Always could spot a friend. Welcome back. That was John Sebastian who was the lead singer of The Love and Spoonful, Pat. And actually, if I remember correctly, and I often don't, d- don't remember correctly, but I think played solo at Woodstock. Loving Spoonful, did, did we full circle? They, do you believe in magic? Better do your research. That could be it. And if it is, uh, let us know. Uh, the final game we wanted to cover, of course, was the unpredictable and stunning win of the Canberra Raiders. Hello, Dennis, former co-host of this show over the Cronulla Sharks. For most people, the highlight was the rabbit punch and slap that Ricky Stewart administered on Michael Ennis in the uh, corridors before the game. But uh, what stood out from this game for you, Pat? Well, I'm a well, yeah. We the the poetry of it. Yes. The, you talk about full circles. Full circles. So Cronulla celebrated for over for gallantly overcoming a a, a two man deficit against the Warriors the week before. They find themselves. Against a side with a two-man deficit at one stage, they had three players in being yep, over the course of the game, yep. and you think, "Wow, that's beautiful." But then Raiders have done it twice in a row because they were down, had a player sent off, and two players sin binned in right. Magic Round last year. Last year, right? So to me, this was the tribute game to the 2021 Magic Round, given there was no crackdown. And Annesley's in the press today saying maybe it wasn't such a great idea, but there have been lasting positive effects. But the Raiders copped it a year ago and beat the Bulldogs. And they've copped it on the weekend and they've beaten the Sharks. In fact, they've done a Sharks on the Sharks. And for me, Supercoach fits. But they do a Raiders on the Sharks. <laughs> well, <laughs> or a Sharks on the Sharks, depending <laughs> how you look at it. But I mean, what I like is that all of a sudden... The Sharks are the Warriors, and Super Coach Fitzgibbon is Nathan Brown. Nathan Brown yeah. <laughs> it's terrific, and uh, one wonders where the honeymoon is already over at the Sharks. The move of Nico Hines back to fullback, I'm prepared to say, didn't work. Did you hear um, Craig Fitzgibbon? His defence of it? No, tell me. He thought it'd work. <laughs> <laughs> and the other highlight was poor old Sione Katoa. It's Matt Frawley, isn't it? If I've if, if yep. I've got it correctly, it was putting crossfield bombs up into the sun. And as Gus Gould said last night, on every ground in Australia, the southeastern corner on a Sunday afternoon is where you're going to cop the sun. And he just had a lot of trouble diffusing the bombs. And if you get a chance, go have a look on the mini or whatever, the replay. Because Gato has this thing that when he can't see is his mouth opens wider than the Sydney heads and he just drops it. And uh, Bono penned this piece in tribute to Sion Summer stretching on the grass, summer dresses pass. In the shade of a willow tree, creeps are crawling over me, over me and over you. Stuck together with God's blue, it's gonna get stickier. Suits for the summer, let's get out. Katoa has lost all side of the ball. 
There he had absolutely no chance. Chris, I'm new to this this rundown thing. You're doing well, Pat. You're doing really, really well. I've got Rugby World Cup written here. Now, I don't know. This is a rugby league show. So can you just tell me, do you mean the Mickey Mouse World Cup or do you mean the one steeped in history and tradition? Definitely the Mickey Mouse one, which, so, which, is, the rugby union, <laughs> which is the Rugby Union World Cup, which from memory began in about 1987, I think, something like at that. At Concord Oval. Well, the semi-final was at Concord Oval, and I hate to say it, but I was there. And I still think it was a knock-on in the lead-up to the Serge Blanco try that won it for France. But then France hopped across the ditch and got absolutely pulverised by the New Zealand All Blacks, who then struggled to win the World Cup for several decades after that. So it's the Rugby World Cup, both men's and women's, that has been announced that Australia's got the rights to host sometime later in this decade. I'm I'm theorising 27 and 29, but I'm not focused on it. But every time this happens, and the last one was 2003. I don't know, did you go to any of the games? I'm putting that down as a no. (laughs) I don't think so. I went to a rugby in high school then, so... Yeah, well, you know, anyway... It was a thing. I was at the final. The Wallabies got beaten by England. But what happens in the lead-up to the World Cup is Rugby Union, which is a game bereft of ideas, creativity, and interest, says, I know what we'll do. We'll poach some NRL players, right? So the likes of the Matt Rogers, the Lottie Takiris, and the Wendell Sailors make this sort of sojourn across to Rugby Union. And what do they do once they sample the wares and get the money in the bank. They always come back. They come back, baby. They, they absolutely come back. come back. And in Takiri's case, came back to a premiership. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, don't, don't be too complimentary myself. Comes back to an Australian jersey at your mop. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic for us. And so we were um, subjected to an article on the weekend that showed Joseph Suwali and uh, Will Panisi from the Roosters and the Eels, respectively, in their King School uniforms, which led to former host of our radio show, Brett Oten, saying, are they their school uniforms or have they joined a fascist group? <laughs> and and uh, this is their going back to the well. Now, some of the journos are already saying, funnily enough, rugby league players don't necessarily translate that well to rugby union. But it's, of course, the time for Peter Fitzsimons to not write about concussion and not write about stadiums, but write about the true World Cup. So he sees the Mickey Mouse World Cup as a true World Cup. And the attraction for the likes of Panisi and Suwali is the chance to play for a cup that is legitimately contested by many nations around the world as opposed to the Rugby League World Cup. Now, Pat... How many, so how many, teams, have, how many teams play in the, rugby, in the Mickey Mouse World Cup? Pretty much the same as in the league, 32, something like that. You know, there might be stages of elimination along the way in the final tournament, but, you know... It's, there's lots of countries, but yeah, something like 32. Okay, and so they've all won it a few times? Well, let's look first at the... So, let's look at the one that Fitzsimons doesn't like, right? Yeah. Which is the league, which he says is like not legitimate. Yeah. Do you know how many countries have won that? Oh, I, I, yeah, four. No, only three. Right, three. three winners, and they are Australia, New Zealand, and Great Britain. Now, the last time I checked... Oh, wasn't there France? Didn't France win? I don't believe France has ever won the Rugby League World Cup. I stand corrected if I do. But anyway, there you go. Now, guess how many winners there have been of the Mickey Mouse? Uh, Are we going to count? Because I only have 10 fingers. (laughs) Four. (laughs) Being South Africa, Australia, England, and New Zealand. All right. Now, if we go back and let's put the France question on notice. Last time I looked, Great Britain is made up of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. So that, in my calculations, means that at least six countries have run the Rugby League World Cup. It's a more diverse, (laughs) more inclusive competition than the Mickey Mouse Rugby Union World Cup. And Peter Fitzsimons, you're out on a rock, son. Suwali and Panisi, I love you and I want you to stay in the game. Now, speaking of... Global Games. Yes. The NRL. Yes, that's expansion. right. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, which corner of the globe are we going to now? Well, they're expansion hungry. I mean, they've gone to Redcliffe and the problem... Redcliffe? Yeah, sorry. They've gone to <laughs> unspecified Dolphins territory. <laughs> Playing out of Morton Bay in Red, Red Correct. Red. Out of the Morton Daly Stadium, which I keep thinking... 
was a person, but it turns out I think it's their local newspaper. And we have a um, we have an international side that plays out of New Zealand. Uh, yeah, the Warriors. They're based in. Well, uh, no, Warriors are, are in, in Redcliffe, right? Well, they don't have they don't have a locale <laughs> as well. They're the their their official name is the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors playing out of Redcliffe, and the Dolphins, who next year will be playing out of Morton Bay, <laughs> which is. Redcliffe, but they're not known as the Morton Bay or Redcliffe Dolphins. It's it's not really expanding the way that we need, is it? And mate? they are talking about very very quick to mention that they do also play out of Suncorp, so mm-hmm. that they can't be left out of Magic That's, Round. And that, of course, has been the other great talking point of Magic Round is which team is going to miss out uh, because some of the seventeen teams, one team won't be able to play Magic Round. And Abdo has said it's coming out of a hat, and people go, "Come on now, what if the Broncos don't get drawn?" He goes, "No, we're going to accept the jury's thing as if that's not going to be real." So we take. Let's take a. a uh, I'll take. Uh, I'll take Tigers. Mm-hmm. I'll take Raiders, and I'll take. Yeah, I'll take those two, and you can have the rest, and okay. we'll see who wins. Okay. So, if you've got a real problem, which is a buy, at Magic Round, how do you solve it? Uh, well, you need another tie. Exactly. And where is the hot talk that the 18th NRL franchise will be located? There's been a lot of them. But if uh, you want to go exotic, mm-hmm. you want to go to a different time zone, mm-hmm. you want to go to the heartland of rugby league, mm-hmm. you go to Perth. Sorry, sorry, I thought you were going to say uh, New Delhi. Um, yeah, you're right. And in fact, there's a lot of talk that the Great North Sydney Bears franchise will be breathed back into life over in Western Australia. And you've got the red and black colours. It's not that too far away from maybe what the Western Reds used to look like and so forth. And you know what's most important in rugby league above everything else, Pat? Oh, not tribalism. Time slot. <laughs> Another time slot. And the great dark overlord himself, Peter Volandis, uh, in the press this weekend... And I read, Peter Volandis is often pulled up in the street and asked about the old North Sydney Bears. Wherever I go, every third person asks me, when are you bringing back the Bears? Volandis said on Sunday when contacted and and regarded to this bold joint venture. One thing I've learned in rugby league is that the Bears are an extremely popular brand. Every third person is stopping me and saying, when are the Bears come back? Will you tell me who and where and when? Ordinary Britons in restaurants, How many? How many? I would say at least one in two. Tell me who has said it to you, when These, and these are where. people that we meet in passing. But and we obviously raise the question of the... I tell you what, I mean, Dennis Carnahan used to be on this show. Always says, we've got to get him on the show. we really got to get that reporter on the show because she asked the hard questions, right? Because I accepted at face value what Volandi said, that every third person that stops him in the streets and what's happening with the bears. And she's actually made me think that maybe he's not telling the truth. Pat. Addiction as well. Uh, just... <laughs> immaculate, immaculate. Uh, intrepid cub reporter, uh, we salute you. The other thing in what's been such a tumultuous week in rugby league, Pat with brawls in the stands and Barrett departing the Belmore grandstand, is that there's been a little bit of uh, blue in rugby league in the past week. And we're not above a little bit of a giggle. Um, Especially Dennis not here to... <laughs> that's right. We're trying to get anything to make people <laughs> laugh. So, of course... We realise we haven't got anything, so we go to the audio. And uh, Corey Parker said something in the week that was interesting. Yeah, he's not your mm. traditional coach, but he's a terrific lover. Mm. Like, he will put his arm around you and cuddle you good. and make you feel good. <laughs> make you feel good. And, and Jimmy, you've had yeah. him in the, in the England side. He, he will make you feel like you... He'll tell you things that you want to hear. And who was Corey talking about, Pat? That's Wayne Bennett. Wayne That sounds good to me. So, they, they've often... <laughs> It's often said about Wayne that he's a great man yeah, manager. manager. <laughs> and like, if he's looking at his players holistically, uh, he's got real close and personal, obviously, with the likes of Corey. I'd love to get Darius's take on this, but... Uh, what happened in the hotel room with Ponga? <laughs> that's right. I mean, it was hamburgers and strawberry milkshakes and a little bit of uh, cherry on top afterwards. And, 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 you know, and, of course, it really makes you want to get Nathan Brown back in the room and reopen the discussion about Little Wayne's ability and Big Wayne's ability. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, the blueness was not just confined to ex-Brisbane Bronco great Corey Parker. My very own coach, Madge Maguire, in the wake of the disappointment against the Cowboys on the weekend, had uh, this observation to make. Yeah, whether or not we go down on men, you know, I still think these boys are very capable of being able to make sure that points don't rack up like they did. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I think this speaks for itself. I want to give a shout out to Emma Domini who uh, mentioned that on Blowing Up Deluxe. And as you know, we love you to get on Blowing Up Deluxe and on Facebook and join that group. And there's the Fire Up Facebook page and Instagram as well and Twitter. And kudos to Terry Bull who's helping us out with all those formats. But um, it's just it's just good to see that uh, Rugby League is a place where people can be open. It's a safe space and they can be close. Mate, we didn't really give a rat's ass to be honest with you. Craig Fitzgibbon uh, was in the mix with Todd Payton to get the head job. Disgusting. There's no way around it. So, Pat, I'm very much looking forward to you piloting the final segment. um, Thanks very much. Have you enjoyed being the interim today? Um, Yeah, it's uh, people noticing that, you know, I'm sad. I'm I'm a... See what Trent Barrett was uh, was going through. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, with Dennis departing, uh, there is no handsome severance package, but there was one contractual obligation, and it wouldn't be an episode of Fire Up without Dennis paying suitable music homage to one of the greats of the game of the current game, who happens to be on the sideline with his hamstring, ankle, and knee. We're talking about Ryan Pappenhausen. some sort of agenda going on with Gus, but I really like the fact that this show is one of the few media outlets in town that actually hold the guy accountable. So what's happened over the last three weeks? Let's take stock. We have 360 started calling out Gus mm-hmm. and, and showing that sometimes he contradicts himself. They obviously don't listen to the show because they're saying that they're the only people who do it. We've had Ricky stop commenting. 
and then subs- subsequently stopped losing. So he's out of it. Matt Thompson has uh, has gone underground a little bit. It's really hard to... Then Dennis is left. I know. And I tell you what, Matt Thompson has probably gone underground a bit because you've just been so much on his hammer. And I hope you you know are looking at yourself in the mirrors, by the way. We started... Uh, when we I when we were like... When they brought Matt Thompson in and put him front and center, we started, we'd be like, talk about like, oh, what jokes we make about Matt Thompson. We're just like, we're nothing. And then as soon as you like rip off the, like you, as soon as you scratch the surface a little bit, it's a dark, there's a bit of darkness there. But so we're going back to basics today. It's just, just you and me. Mm-hmm. So we're going, going back to the, the classic stuff, rugby league math. You can see the possession. They had 60% of the ball and we had 30. So who was that? The camera monster. <laughs> Well, blondes aren't having much fun, are they? If you look at the hectic cheese and Munster, both sporting the hairdos, and the storms were very much on the back foot on Saturday night, and I was loving it. Now we have Corey Parker. Um, so Todd Payton, known as one of the the more out there thinkers in the game, he's definitely from the Tim Sheens yep. school. Ming the merciless. Probably gets a bit technical. Mm-hmm. Corey Parker will, is is there to paraphrase what he's talking about. You hear from Todd Payton, he talks about these sorts of players. They're footballers. That's what those guys are doing. <laughs> and then we've got uh, we have got new Fox League commentator. Um, whatever his name is, I don't know. The new guy doing the sideline for New South Wales Car. Get to we get to North Sydney Oval. Picturesque. It was it was an absolute picture on Saturday morning. Yeah, and we hear all the cliches. We are live from the iconic North Sydney Oval. You take a look around the hill, the grandstand, all steeped in history and tradition. You think of the names, Cess Blinkhorn. Tell you what, there is something special. <laughs> Listen, I just want to wish an apology to all the Blinkhorn family. He was a marvellous player and a contributor to the North Sydney community, and he shouldn't be made fun of like that. <laughs> yes. So we got these, obviously, new blood come in. And so we've got new, so we're going to add new, new rugby league parlance in, right? So then we've got, we've got this new cliche coming in as well. I'm going to go back to when they played them in um, Mackay last year. It was, it was one of the greatest games I've watched. It was, it was a battle of nutrition. Both teams really taking the grass of this game. Yeah, we've got a couple of errors here, but the game of nutrition, you can't afford to give the ball back to the opposition. When you've got the ball, you can- the game is about nutrition. You've got to keep the ball away from the opposition. You can't. First time we heard it, we were like, oh, that's a mistake. He meant attrition. But no, it's no, no, rugby league is a game of nutrition. And listen, in the competition for kids' sport and all the naysayers that say that rugby league is dangerous for kids and whatever, and we know it's not, it's a very safe option. Not only is rugby league safe, it's, it's a, nutritious. It's a game of nutrition. And then finally, we got, you know, some of the rugby league stats are arbitrary. You know, sometimes you can look at a stat sheet and you know, you can't tell who won. So maybe we've got a new stat that we should look at. And then Reese Walsh just clicked into gear. Possibly one of the fastest individuals in our competition over three metres. He... <laughs> That's your fast switch fibre right there. Do you know what the trick to, to, to running good over three metres is? You get a good start. That's right. Look, uh, is that Media Watch for this week? That's Media Watch. How flexible are we? Is there room to do an axe, an RRR Valley axe grinding right now? Well, I've got an axe with me. My tradition is to grind two axes, but with, as I said, a tumultuous week, which has been capped off by the departure of Dennis Carnahan from this venerable podcast. I've only got one axe to grind, Pat, and that is when rugby league teams are <laughs> when rugby league teams are going down on men, like the Tigers were last weekend up at Suncorp Stadium, and the team wins, the player who's interviewed inevitably says, "That's because." We have a next man up mentality, right? Now, my understanding of the format of the game is if someone's injured, right, then they replace them with another player. Hence, by definition, that's the next man or whatever context, next player up. Yeah, Everyone's got a next man up mentality and I'm sick of it as being another reason why teams are winning games. If you were running a club, 
would you have the na- that next man up mentality or, or not? Would you have a different one? No, I'd walk in and go, boys, you know, we've lost uh, Luke Brooks, the hamstring, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Sta- was- Stafford <laughs> Toll is injured, pack her in, boys. <laughs> it's over. It's <laughs> over. We're done. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that because Trent Robinson blows up Deluxe. As Adam O'Brien blows up Deluxe. I've got to be honest with you, I have loved every minute, every minute, uh, including when you blew up Deluxe. Uh, <laughs> Now, just taking stock of our of our group, blowing up to Lux. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned her a lot, Emma, Emma Domini. Yeah, she's been outstanding. She put a poll up of... Um, How the teal independents are going to go in the election? Yeah, well, that's, that's what we're getting to now. No, um, about which is, which is more likely to happen on the weekend. Twile scoring first and mm-hmm. him scoring his first try in around about 100 games. It is his 100th game. That is, that is building up a lot of, a lot of hype. Or Trent Barrett. Getting the getting the sack, and where was the where were the numbers going? Uh numbers going to yeah, Trent Barrett. And People have spoken. Then another discussion. This is from uh, our captain Terry Bull. So we had Zach Wolford finally make his debut, and he, he went around the long way to do it. Yeah, son of the germ. What is the son of a germ? Because the germ is is just protein information. It's not even a cell. Is that right? So what's a What's what's the son of a germ? I was going to say protozoa, just because yeah. it's a, one of those small scientific things. So yeah, let's call him Zach Protozoa Wolford. Yeah, um, and then I'm at the I'm at the end of my run sheet. Well, that's terrific. I mean, it's it's tight, it's punchy. Look, um, first of all, Pat, I want to really thank you for stepping up in these really difficult circumstances. Are we going to do the Are we going to do the the the, the debrief, or just I'll just um, just ask our friendy here how I went? It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that'd be interesting if we did the debrief on air. That might actually attract a few listeners. We've got so, actually a few people here. Yeah. That's bad. Uh, but the, uh, kudos to you for all the work was done in these difficult circumstances. My two parting observations is I feel obligated after missing out last week to give everyone another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels. And the news is that Mike Acevo has signed an extension with the Eels and is likely, uh, via the agency of the knock-on effect cup this week, will be back in the NRL side next week, which means that Hayes Perham is probably going, right? And the Eels have given exposure to the first name of Hayes via the agency of Perham and Dunster and have educated the public that Hayes can be spelled H-A-Y-Z-E or just H-A-Z-E. And I hope that those lessons are not lost by them just bulldozing Mike Acevo back into the starting lineup. And I think that all hazers, you have another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels. I think everyone shares yeah. your sentiment. Yeah. And finally, Dennis, we love you. We miss you. Get better soon. And all the very best. Yes. Yeah, are we doing the... What, what's lockdown? What's isolation down in now? Like three or four days? <laughs> Let's give it three months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've been on fire up. Thank you, Redfern Pat. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rugby. If Jake Friend's not playing, you don't have Jake Friend on the field.